Good morning. Yeah, it's on. Great. Uh, worship team, thank you so much. Wow. I don't always get to participate in worship on Sunday mornings, but when I do, uh, I have trouble preaching afterwards. Just the, just the presence of God in our midst is so sweet, is so wonderful, and I'm so incredibly grateful for just the opportunity to gather and to honor His presence in our midst and to worship Him for who He is. Thanks, guys, for leading us in worship. Um, I want to ask you a question. When you think about power, what comes to mind? What kinds of things do you picture or do you associate with the word power? Maybe it's, maybe it's yeah, a, a boss, right, who has the power to decide if you're going to get vacation when you would like your vacation or not, or to receive that promotion that you've been waiting for, right? Maybe it's uh, that guy at the gym who, who has this uncanny ability to do push-ups with his pinkies, you know? Maybe you think of a tornado. There was another big storm that came in last night, and I thought, oh my goodness, are we having another one of these? You know, and I, I'm just reminded of uh, that tornado that was just ripping through houses and tossing cars like, like tennis balls. For me, aside from, aside from God, what I picture when I think about power is a horse. Yeah. And not like, not like a, a little miniature pony. I'm talking like, a, you know, a, at least a quarter horse or a thoroughbred horse. If you've, if you've ever been around a horse, and Josh and Jacqueline are going, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, if you've ever been close to a horse, you know what I'm talking about, right? Because they're, they are, uh, a thoroughbred horse is going to stand at its withers or its back. It's going to stand at least five feet tall, okay? And aside from its head, which is six feet or more. It's this massive mountain of muscle, that, that is, is absolutely breathtaking. It is both breathtaking because it's beautiful and it's this magnificent creature, but also because if you're standing next to it, it's scary. Because you recognize how powerful this animal actually is. Uh, at the start of the spring, uh, my family and a number of other families from the church, we went to a uh, maple syrup bush together. And it just so happened that there was a small barn there and they had a couple of horses and we got to this barn as they were pulling out the horses to groom them and they pulled out this one horse and my kids are literally standing like four feet five feet away from the back of this horse okay I grew up on a farm okay I've been kicked by a cow before never by a horse but I know these animals are powerful you know, so I'm thinking, if this horse just even decides that it's going to stretch its leg, my kid is flying across the barn. They are powerful and magnificent creations. You know what I don't associate with the word power? Weakness. Weakness. And yet, when it, when it comes to weakness... 
Weakness, according to scripture, is actually key to us living in God's strength and in his power. It's out of our weakness. This is what the weak say, I am strong. You know, for me, even though I grew up in a, in a Christian home, and uh, I was taught to know the Lord and to love the Lord and to follow the Lord, I had this understanding of weakness that it was something that uh, ought to be avoided. Something that I needed to, I, I, I needed to hide. I needed to pretend like it actually wasn't there, right? Uh, you know, I, I was taught that, that uh, I needed to be strong. And I felt like I needed to have it together, right? And, and weakness, it wasn't actually a strength. It was a potential means to my, my downfall. It was like, you know, in the world sense, that Achilles heel, right? That one spot, right? That vulnerable place where if it's exposed, you're going down, right? And the world's perspective is, you know, focus on your strengths. Play to your strengths. And, and that's, that was my mentality growing up. But God's way is weakness. It's weakness. If you think about it, the way that God comes to us is in weakness. Not because he's weak, but because we are. Right? Jesus didn't come as, as a powerful, majestic, ruling, glorious king. He came as a suffering servant. As a helpless baby. The, the almighty God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, he came and he humbled himself. James talked about humility last week. He humbled himself, right? In order to meet our needs and minister to us. God's way of, of working is oftentimes through weakness. And the way that he uses us, and as we look at scripture, oftentimes the people that he chooses to work in and through and that he calls are people that are incredibly weak. You look at the examples in scripture, people like, like um, David, Right? David, when Samuel shows up to anoint the next king after Saul, David's not even there. He's an afterthought. Right? His father, and Samuel's like, is there nobody else? His dad's like, oh yeah, I do have this other son, but you know, I just didn't think he was kingly material, so, you know. And then as you look at David's track record as a king, right? He's an adulterer, he's a murderer, and yet out of that place, you know, as, as he, he lives with this humility and this dependency and he, rather than avoiding and, and denying and hiding his weaknesses, he brings it before the Lord, right? God says of David, of your throne, of your line, it's going to last forever and ever. How incredible is that? You look at people like Rahab, this pagan prostitute, right? Who, who through faith ultimately Right? Not only was her and her whole family saved, but Jesus is from that lineage. You look at Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times. He denied even knowing him. He abandoned the one that he was calling the Messiah. Right? And yet God says of him, Jesus says, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. You look at, at Mary Magdalene. The woman whom Jesus cast out seven demons from. 
And it just blows my mind how the first person, the first person who Jesus revealed himself to after his resurrection was to that very woman. God works in and through the week. And and be encouraged by that because every single one of us, whether we recognize it or not, whether we're honest about it or not, we're weak. He's called us. And He wants to work in it through us as well. God's way is weakness. And, and one of the things that I want to look at today is, is I want to look at one person's life and their example of following Jesus in weakness. And as we go through the message today, my hope and my prayer for each one of us is that, number one, that we would recognize the importance of weakness. And number two, that we would become more aware of perhaps some of the weaknesses that we have in our own life where God is looking to meet us. And number three that we would begin to recognize God's purpose in those weaknesses within our lives. Okay? And so let's start in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 to 5. And this is Paul talking to the church at Corinth. And he says this, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence, or human wisdom, as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. I love this. In context, what Paul's talking about here is division within the church at Corinth. Paul was a missionary to the church at Corinth, and he spent like a year and a half there preaching the gospel, you know, uh, making disciples, planting churches, and then he moved on to other cities to do the same. At some point, Paul had begun to hear word about problems in the church at Corinth, and this was one of the problems. There was division there. How so? Well, you know, some were saying, listen, I follow Apollos. You know, I I like his teaching, and I I like who he is, and and I'm I'm following him. And another would say, I follow Cephas or, or Peter. And another would say, I follow Paul. And some were saying, I follow Jesus. And Paul's saying... What is this division? There is no division in Christ. Right? What's interesting to me in this passage is how Paul says here in verse 3, he says, in addressing the problem, he says, when I came to you, I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. It's interesting to me that Paul chose to come in weakness because I don't know about you, but to me, in thinking about somebody, uh, a leader addressing a problem, I don't think, you know, I don't think about them coming in weakness. I think about them coming with wisdom, with strength, with authority, right? To go, guys, here's the truth. Here's what you need to know. Here's where you're, you're, you're wrong, and here's the direction that we need to take here. Not coming in weakness. But that's how Paul came. And the reason he came in weakness, he says, is so that the faith of these believers might not rest on him, on his wisdom, on his words, but ultimately on Christ and on the power of God 
through faith in Him. He came in weakness. What Paul's not saying here is, when I came to you, I came in weakness because I was insecure about my calling. I wasn't sure about who I was or the gifts that God had given me. You know, I was afraid of you guys, if I'm honest. That's not what he's saying here. What he's saying is, I recognize my utter dependency on Jesus Christ. I recognize my utter dependency on the Holy Spirit. Apart from Him, I've got nothing. Apart from Him, nothing's going to change. Apart from Him, there is going to be no fruit. How many know that in, in, in us, in, in me preaching today, God showing up is not dependent on how polished my sermon is. Come on, it's not dependent on how on how great or how gripping the illustrations that I give are, where it just captivates your heart, right? God showing up in power today is dependent on us honoring Him for who He is in our midst right now. Right now. He's the reason we're here. He's why we're gathered together. Let's just exalt Him in our midst. He is. He is our Lord and King. He is our Savior and our friend. I'm slowly getting a hold of this, this truth that it really isn't so much about the words that we speak, even in the songs that we sing. It's not about how we sing it or, or what we look like when we're singing it. It's about does he have our hearts? Does he have our hearts? And is that demonstrated by our willingness to obey him in whatever he calls us to do? <laughs> it blows my mind. It really does. Because, because there are some silly, strange things that God may ask us to do. As you look at even the ministry of Jesus that, that seem awfully weird, right? And I'm not, call, I'm not saying we ought to be a weird church. But what I am saying is, is you know what? Sometimes it's going to look different. Sometimes we're going to be uncomfortable. Sometimes it's going to require us stepping out because it's not about how we sound or what we say. It's about does he have our hearts? And that comes down to weakness. And our willing to, willingness to recognize our weakness and to actually depend on Him. As Lee was, was standing up here this morning and talking about the Holy Spirit moving in our midst, I just felt like God was just reminding me, listen, you can't control me. You cannot control my spirit. There isn't some formula or some recipe where, you know, okay, if we do this, if we say that, if we sing this, <laughs> God's showing up. Right? I don't know, there's, there's, I, I love it. I love coming to a meeting and not knowing, God, what are you going to do today? What are you going to do? How are you going to move? What, what way are you going to work in our midst, right? Because he's God and I'm not. And my job isn't to figure it out and have it, uh, it all prepared in advance. It's to yield and surrender to the work of his spirit in our midst. He's God. He's God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so incredibly freeing. And let me tell you, if you know Christ, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then on some level you definitely recognize that, you, that, that you're weak, right? You only come to Jesus because you recognize that you're weak. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right? But it's us learning that continual surrender, that continual abiding, that continual dependency on Him, Right? That is so key in us living the Christian life. 
We all have weaknesses. Uh, the question I want to ask you is, are you aware of your weaknesses? Are, are you aware uh, of your weaknesses? You know, when I first started in, in church leadership, I remember early on one of the books that we went through was Strengths Finders. And I think there's a place for that. I think there's a place for, for identifying your strengths and the gifts that God has given you. But I never came across a weak, weakness finder. Right? But, but it's so key. It's so key for us to understand our weaknesses. And Paul understands that in this passage. That's why he's coming to them in weakness. He's in utter dependency in order that the power of God might be put on display. Now in 1 Corinthians 1, he talks about general weakness. In 1 Corinthians 2, in his next letter, he reveals a specific weakness that he's dealing with in this letter. And uh, I want to look at that as well. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses 7 to 10. He says, Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul talks here about a specific weakness that he had, and he calls it, a thorn in the flesh, or a messenger of Satan. And he doesn't go into specifics of, of what exactly this, this is. He just simply labels it a thorn in the flesh. And throughout his history, there have been all kinds of people that have suggested different things about what this thorn in the flesh actually is. Some of them, I would suggest, are from poor translations, and others are from interpreting things completely out of context. Because I think, this is just my opinion here, you can study it for yourself, I think when Paul's talking here about this thorn in the flesh, this weakness that he has, when you look at it in context, he's just talked about these super apostles. These super apostles. I've heard people refer to this thorn in the flesh as, as, as he's, he's got bad eyesight. And pulling, pulling scriptures out of Galatians to, <laughs> to back this up? I've heard people say that it's, it's epilepsy. He, he's got epilepsy because he only dealt with this once in a while. You know, I've heard all kinds of, of just, just crazy things about what this actually might be. But, but from my perspective, the most likely interpretation is what he says here in the text. And he talks about these super apostles. That's literally what he calls them, super apostles. What are they? There are these people that have come in and infiltrated the church at Corinth. All right? And, and they are more prestigious than Paul. They're more eloquent than Paul. And they are winning over the Corinthian believers and leading them astray. Okay? 
And Paul is addressing this throughout this, this letter, to this next letter to the Corinthians. Okay? Now, he says of this thorn in the flesh, what's interesting is that Paul, you know, asked God to take it away from him three times, and he didn't. But God said instead to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. Isn't that amazing? Do you believe that? We all have weaknesses. We all have areas where we are struggling. We all have circumstances right now in our lives where if we were in control, we would go, this is not a part of my life. I'm going to do something about this right now, and yet it's there. And God says to us, like he said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. There's reasons for that, and we'll look at that later. But I want to I wanna just flesh out, I want to give some examples of, like Paul here, he's talking about his own thorn in the flesh, right? And he, and he lists off a number of different things uh, around his weakness. And it's incredible because after he prays about asking God to take this away and God says, my grace is sufficient for you, he moves from this place of going, get this out of here, right, to now a place where he's boasting about these weaknesses. And he's saying, actually, I delight in my weaknesses because he understands that there's a purpose for it. There's a reason in which these things are here and a part of his life. He references things like, he says, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. These are things that are a part of his weaknesses. For you and me, what are our weaknesses? Do you know your weaknesses? Are you aware of them? Our weaknesses could be circumstances, experiences, wounds that make us weak. The kinds of things where, like Paul, we wouldn't choose them for ourselves. And if we had our way, we would get rid of them. Right? Examples of weaknesses could include things like something from your past. Maybe an unhealthy or abusive upbringing. Maybe mistakes that you've made or choices that you regret. Circumstances that you might find yourself in. Right? Maybe you're struggling to get a job. You know, Lee talked about earlier, Josh and Alex's housing complex burning. Right? Maybe uh, struggle to, to, you know, to, to get married. It could be an ongoing struggle like a, an, an addiction. Battling depression. Anger, anxiety. Weaknesses could be unexpected challenges that we face within our lives. You know, battling an illness or the loss of a loved one. There's all kinds of, of weaknesses. And if you're asked to ask my, my wife or my kids, I've got a lot of them. I've got a lot of them. And particularly my oldest son, he's gotten really good about being honest about, <laughs> about my weaknesses to the point where I'm like, oh. <laughs> that really hit home. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I have, I've got all kinds of weaknesses. I, I think the biggest thing that I, I've been working through as of late is a struggle to not find my worth in my performance or in the, the need for approval from others. And, and this has been a lifelong, a lifelong journey for me in overcoming this and working through this within my own life. And at, at times it's manifested in different ways. In, uh, 
in crippling anxiety when I was a kid. I just remember many nights just crying myself to sleep under the blankets, just, just in complete anxiety. Uh, panic attacks. For, for many years, many years, probably uh, at least 15 years of my life, just a, a, a real addiction uh, to pornography. And if my mom's watching, hi, mom. <laughs> She watches, she watches the message. We, know, we never talked about this, but she, I'm sure she knows. <laughs> but, it, but I mean, it was so bad. It was so bad that I, I just didn't have hope in that area of my life. I thought, this is, this is how it's going to be for the rest of my life, you know? And, and God, God has brought just such freedom and, and healing in that area of my life. But for many years, it, it, it was, it's been an issue. A lot of times these days, it's, it's recognizing my need to value his rest and how so oftentimes I, ch- I choose not to. And I busy myself with all kinds of things and, because I feel like I need to do more. And what I'm doing is, is just not quite good enough. Right? Obviously, those are, are, are lies. And, and there's ungodly beliefs there. Right? But I, I recognize that I'm learning through my, my weaknesses. I'm learning to not be ashamed. I, I'm learning to not avoid them. I'm, I'm learning to recognize that while my struggles and my weaknesses might not be yours, we've all got areas in our lives where we're weak. Right? And really what it is, is an opportunity for the power of God to be put on display. And as I've... I've I've journeyed through and struggled through and found God and, and experienced healing in different areas of my life. I've also realized that those weaknesses in my life are an opportunity to minister. They become opportunities to minister to those that are weak, right? I remember years ago when I was living out of that place of just going, I need to have it all together. I need to look strong. I remember God speaking to me one day, it's only in weakness that you can minister to the weak. And we're all weak. So in other words, the only way for us to really minister is out of a place of weakness. When I ask you, what are you doing about the weaknesses in your life? Are you hiding? Are you pretending? Are you avoiding them? Or are you being honest about them? Are you being real about your struggles? Okay, uh, I'm going to move on just for the sake of time. Uh, I want to I just take some time now to just talk about um, what God might be doing in and through our weaknesses. Like, He has a purpose in them. And uh, as we see in this passage in 2 Corinthians 12, it's interesting that Paul calls the thorn in the flesh a messenger of Satan. A messenger of Satan. In other words, where this came from is not from God. Are you with me? It didn't come from God. This is it's a messenger of Satan sent to do what? Torment me. <laughs> if you think God's out to torment you, uh, come find me afterwards. Because <laughs> he's not. And that's not the picture of who we see him to be revealed in Jesus Christ in Scripture. He's, he's not out to torment us. But what's incredible about this is God doesn't remove that weakness, but he goes, okay, here's, here's Satan's purpose in this, now here's mine. Right? And he has a greater purpose. And while he doesn't remove it, he doesn't, his goal is not for Paul to suffer or to torment him through it. Are you with me? 
That's not, that's not his goal. What does he say? How, how might be God, how might God be looking to use our weaknesses? Well, I, I want to suggest to you three things, and I'm sure there's a whole host of others, but as we see in this passage, three things. Number one, weakness gives us proper perspective on ourselves. Our weaknesses give us proper perspective on ourselves. Paul says in verse 7, Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. It was there to keep me from being conceited. James talked about humility last week. Weaknesses are a way of us recognizing our need to walk in humility and dependency on God, right? A weakness, what it does is it brings us to the end of ourselves. Ultimately to the point of going, you know what, I can't, I can't do it. I, uh, I love working with wood. I don't get to do it that much these days. But, uh, and I've, I've, I've got so many passions and hobbies, and so woodworking is kind of just on the shelf right now. But uh, I, I have a lot of wood, and uh, I've worked with different pieces over the years. And one of the things about woodworking is when you glue a piece together, and you glue it properly, okay? You don't use too much glue. You use the right amount of glue. You clamp it. You follow the instructions on the glue. What, what's, uh, what's interesting is that the glue actually becomes stronger than the piece of wood itself. Okay? So in, in other words, if you take two pieces of wood and you glue them together, if you do it properly, and you try and break that piece of wood afterwards, it's not going to break at the glue. Oftentimes it'll break in the wood. Because the point where the wood actually comes to an end and it's glued is stronger than the wood itself. For each one of us, our weaknesses are there to help us recognize our, our need for Him. It's to bring us to the point of the end of ourselves where we go, I can't. And to lead us on this journey of surrender where, where God takes over, where He is Lord over our lives. And out of that place, we, are, we are, are much stronger than we are on our own. Out of that place, we can actually live in what He's called us to live and do what He's called us to do. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. Now, it's not as though... But, but in saying that, I feel like that analogy falls short because it's not as though like God's going, okay, just, just stop and give up and let me do what I want to do already. He's a God of relationship. He's a God of partnership, right? He doesn't do it alone. He does it with us. But my point is simply this, is that our weaknesses are to teach us to rely on Him moment by moment, day by day. Not just to give our lives to Jesus Christ and go, okay, you've got my life. Now I can go do whatever I want and live my life. But that we would live continually out of that place of surrender surrender of depending on him. And I think one of the reasons why we struggle with weakness is because we oftentimes haven't come to the end of ourselves. We're still trying to prove something. We're still trying to be something, trying to present something or accomplish something or, you know, obtain something. Rather than, than walk in weakness, we, we hide and fight and run and we try to uphold this image of who we are when in truth it's not who we are at all. It's a false image, right? 
and weaknesses, they, they strip all that away and bring us to the end of ourselves where we realize at the end of the day, who I truly am is simply this, a child of God. I am his beloved. And that is enough, right? This is the place where God is looking to bring each and every one of us in. And weaknesses really help us to have that proper perspective on ourselves and us to live out of the place of humility. As I said, weakness, it also teaches us utter dependence on God. Weakness brings us to that point of utter dependence on Him. Paul says in verse 8, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. And what he's saying there is that there's a need for each one of us in our weakness to receive and depend on the grace that he has for us. Grace is not something we work for. It's not something that's earned. It's something that's freely given. And it's, so, it's not just enough for us that we're, that we're good. It changes us from the inside out, right? That's what his grace does. It empowers us so that weakness now no longer looks like a weakness, but it actually becomes a strength. And the power of God is put on display before, before others because it's not, it's not us. It's him working in and through our lives, Right? But we need to receive that. We need to depend on Him. Yeah. One of my other passions is gardening. And I don't know about your garden, but mine looks amazing right now. Except that there's a basketball that keeps ending up in my garden. <laughs> the other day, I came over to my tomato plants that are like this high already, okay? And they've all got tomatoes on. And there was one branch that was just kind of laying there limp. And there's, there's flowers on it. But I know it's not going anywhere anymore. Because it's broken off of the vine, of the branch, right? It's, it's not, it's not going to produce anything. God wants us to get a hold of that fact, that the only way that we'll actually bear fruit within our lives is to depend on Him, is to abide with Him, is to moment by moment live out of our connection with Him. It's the only way. And through that, he supplies our every need. Lee shared earlier about Acts chapter 4, and we were talking about it in staff meeting this week, and it was just, uh, just amazing to me, this idea that, that there was no one needy among them. There was no one needy, because God's grace was so powerfully working among them. And I was just thinking about, you know, I wonder how those needs were met. Right? Yeah, they were met through God. Right? And the grace of God. But as He stirred in the hearts of the people within that community. Be with me. And so we depend on God. We fully depend on God. Right? To meet our need and to supply us in our weakness. But our weakness also teaches us not just to depend on God, but to recognize our need for one another. We need each other. I am a part. I'm not the whole body. Right? We need one another. And I'm slowly, ever so slowly learning that needing people is not a weakness, it's actually a strength. Wow. Lastly, okay, I need to wrap up. Lastly, weakness leads us to God's power being displayed in our lives. Yeah. But Paul says in verse 9, For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. God has called us to be a presentation of His power to the world. 
How does that happen? How does that happen? It happens through, you know, standing on his word in faith, stepping out and taking a risk, right? It happens through obedience to him and following his Holy Spirit. Part of that process is also in learning to embrace our weaknesses, our weaknesses, learning to recognize the circumstances that we're in right now, where we may be weak, the areas where we are, are struggling right now, where we've been praying and he hasn't removed that, that circumstance. He hasn't changed that yet for whatever reason. And I don't understand. And I know I'm talking to people in this room right now who are going, man, I'm struggling. I hate being in this place. Why hasn't God shown up in that? Right? You got a choice to make. Right? And I'm not saying to stop praying about that and coming to him with it, but recognize that he is there in the midst of that. And even without that thing changing, his grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient. He will supply what you need in that situation right now. We have a choice to make. I can complain about this and I can get upset with God about it or I can come to him and I can receive of what I need in the midst of this and I can worship him for who It's all right. It's yeah. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't need this. He's just saying, I want our hearts. I want our hearts. So I just, uh, I just want to encourage you with that. I want to encourage you to, to just, to just ha- come to him and receive of his grace. That you might endure in the midst of whatever you're going through. That you might find the strength that you need to rejoice in the midst of, of the hardship in the midst of the struggle, in such a way that people look at our lives and they go, wow, God is good. Yeah, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your strength. We thank you that you are almighty God. You are the creator of everything, the Lord over it all. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you, O oh God. And you are so much beyond us. You are so much bigger than us. So, so, much, so much better than we know or, or can think or imagine right now, O oh God. And Father, our hearts are yours. We're here to say our hearts are yours. Our longing is for all of you and all of us. It's for you to have your ways. for your glory and your power to be put on display in our lives. Oh God. Help us to come to you, to receive from you whatever we need, O oh God. And may you be glorified in our weakness. May your power be put on display. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.